Hello and welcome to the Healthy Entrepreneur Club podcast. A healthy entrepreneur is someone who achieves business success whilst prioritising their physical and mental well-being. In other words, they understand the healthy hustle. They possess the ability to effectively manage their business operations, make strategic decisions and nurture their personal health and brand for sustainable growth and long-term success. Today's guest is Karina Goods. Karina has spent over 20 years traveling backwards and forwards from the UK and Germany to the Middle East and is an absolute specialist in what you should and shouldn't do when doing business or moving personally to the Middle East. Karina, thank you so much for joining us. It's awesome to have you here. How, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well, thank you. I want to jump in. We've had your intro there, but I want to jump in really and ask you straight away, you know, what are your experiences and what made you want to solve these challenges for people that are looking to do business or even move to another country? I think a lot of it came back to the fact that when I first started working with um, Middle Eastern clients, sort of like early 2000, there really wasn't that much information and it was so fundamentally different from everything that we knew in the West. I mean, I am certainly I'm German, you know, I had no prior exposure to that. And, and a lot of the things um, that I encountered was so alien to me, like the, the way the names were, who was who, like how they were so hospitable. And I just, and you just didn't really understand it, you know, and I thought, there must be more people like me that feel like that in particular also i think being a woman you have so many questions you know if you go out to the to the middle east like um i mean let's forget about dubai because i think people are very comfortable with dubai and they they feel quite happy to go there it's you know it's not so dissimilar except for a few sort of laws to like europe but if um if now you look at saudi with all the new projects and everything there's a huge amount of companies going in there and certainly if you are a woman you think, oh my God, what am I going to wear? Are they even going to take me seriously? I have so many questions and who am I even going to ask? And it's so funny because from talking with lots and lots of different people, like I was talking to um, to a lady who has a big PR company in New York and she said to me, I mean, this was probably about a year ago, and she said, you know, I'm pitching for this big project, but if I go to Saudi, I have to take my husband to be my chaperone. And I said, no you don't and she said no no but that's what everybody's telling me and i said look this is maybe some of the things that happened before but it doesn't happen like this anymore and she's like oh my god like tell me more tell me more like you seem the right kind of person so that i think how this whole um i I think this desire for me to help other people understand it and in particular in hospitality because after covid now i think there were so many changes and staff changes you know um where people were like this this stuff the staff was very much like oh my god the clients are so rude because we don't really understand the clients were like oh my god the staff don't really get what i want and we we almost feel that we are this missing link in between because we're like no no you guys are both right but we can bring you together and make this a much more enjoyable experience for everybody and i think that's sort of always been the goal yeah i mean totally i completely agree and you know, there must be, I think one of the biggest misconceptions with, with the Middle East is definitely that male-female divide where, you know, even when I moved over here with my fiance, people were saying, but you're not, you're not, you're not you can't have a business, you can't move there together. And it's, 
it's, it's almost scaremongering. People don't believe that there are things you can do here. But like you say, a lot of it is so westernized now. I think there are so many misconceptions. Um, what, are, what are some of the misconceptions that you do come across now we're on the subject? Are there sort of common ones that come up? Common ones that come up, um, do they speak English there? This was one that I had recent, um, and I was like, yes, because, you know, they've been um, educated in the UK, in the US, some of this, then how is it even modern? Do, you know, I think there's a lot of desert. Um, maybe some people live in tents. I'm like, no, 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 this is not the way it is. Then I had a, I had a Saudi lady who uh, was a really dear friend of mine, and she went to Switzerland. And she had told somebody in Switzerland in one of these resorts um, that she was from Saudi. And the person um, dealing with her there said, ooh, in Saudi, all the women are oppressed and unhappy. And she said, well, hold on a minute. I'm not unhappy and I'm not oppressed. So, it, it, so it, I think it's all of these kind of things or that people think they can't go there. It's really difficult. What are people going to think? And then they actually go. And this is so much, I've had this experience so much that people were really apprehensive to go. Then they went and they were like, Oh my God, this was the best thing ever. How did I not know about this before? It's, people are so nice. And, and, um, and that really is the truth, you know, because people, um, people are really nice and they are very hospitable. And it's so funny because a lot of people always say to me, it's, oh, it's so easy for you because you know so many people. And I say, yeah, but it's not because I, so, I know so many people. It's also the average person. And I always give them this example. I went to the, so the first Formula One that they held in, um, in Saudi, in Jeddah was in 2021. And after the Formula One, they had all these concerts. I mean, they had like Justin Bieber in, in Saudi, imagine. So I went to the concert and somehow the people I was with, I kind of lost them. And then I thought, okay, I want to go back to the hotel. So, but my driver was miles away because the traffic was crazy and everything. And I was like, okay, well, I better have to wait. And there was security outside the um, concert and the security said, oh, why don't you come sit with us? We'll look after you until your driver comes. I'm like, wow, this would never happen in London. They'd be like, just go your way and leave us alone, you know? So that to me is like a really great example of like, it doesn't matter. They didn't know me. I didn't know them, but this was a great story. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great story. It's so, it's so true, isn't it? The hospitality and the service and the people that you meet here are, are so, uh, you know, they're so accommodating. What do you think about in terms of, you know, we hear about effectively misconceptions to the Middle East from, from other places, primarily the West. Um, in my opinion, it's a similar thing as if you were going to move from England to Germany or England to, you know, the Scandinavia. I'd still have worries that there's going to be different cultures and different languages and things that I like change because obviously, ultimately, we're speaking English, but we've grown up in very different places. We've learned different things. We've got different backgrounds and histories and all sorts. So do you, do you see that there's a bigger divide between what people believe about the Middle East and believe about other countries? within Europe when they needn't be? I definitely think so, because I think um, it's, A, it's it's much further away than Europe. And then B, mm -hmm. I think it's also because there's a lot more preconception. It's a whole different religion. You know, people don't really understand it. Everything we, we you know, have been reading, we have been fed through the media about Islam is normally very negative. Um, 
And I mean, even, even to the point that in, you know, in London, like they put up some signs in central London saying, I think on the Ramadan and stuff, like there was an outcry in the papers and people were like, why we're not a Muslim nation? I'm like, but come on guys, you also celebrate like Diwali, which is the Indian festival. So like what? But I think it's very much driven by like a lot of the media, a lot of the, the coverage it gets. So I think people feel more apprehensive. And and I think also because people don't understand it, you know, they don't understand how, yes, maybe somebody will wear an abaya, but it's their personal choice. It's not because they have to. Yes, maybe years ago they, they did have to by religion. But for example, like now in Saudi and also in the UAE, people don't have to. It's a choice. You can if you want to. And this is the same as a Westerner now, but it's not a must and people will not enforce it. Um, so so I think, you know, people are somehow stuck in some of those things that maybe they read 10 years ago and things have moved on and it's all very different now. Yeah, totally. Um, so what do you think are the greatest blockers for people who are thinking about moving to the Middle East, you know, in terms of business or, or living here, what, what are those blockers that they're, that they're that are stopping them? In, other than other than sort of, you know, without saying the, the obvious, but you know, like the language and stuff, what do you think are people's issues? I think a lot of it is they just don't know. Maybe they don't know very many people who have who have gone. They also worry about is it safe? And I think uh, uh, you are there now you know i'm sure you can attest to the fact that it's very safe i mean like you leave your bag in the middle of a restaurant in dubai and you come back three hours later and it's still there and the same can't be said for europe or for london so i think it's just it's just about what they know and who they know and and they just don't know where to start and it feels very daunting i think if you move to a new country and you don't have any reference point and you don't know where to start and how to open a business and are people even gonna do business with me um feels like a very daunting prospect but for example in dubai i think the majority of people are expats in dubai i mean you barely see many locals unless you really know some locals um you know it, it, it i think you probably end up doing a lot more business with expats in dubai and there's so many people who've made like a really great life out of there because it's safe you know the weather is good it's and, and the opportunities are there i feel like also it's um it's a bit more, and, and this may be a weird thing to say, but Europe feels very much we're in the depths of a recession and everything is very doom and gloom. But you go to the Middle East and everything is like sunshine and opportunities are there and things are there and people just need to open up their eyes. I mean, I have a friend, he has a concierge company and he said to me, you know, Karina, if I'm in Europe, I feel like depressed. I get to Dubai. He's like, I feel like, my God, anything is possible here. So I think that kind of sums it up for me perfectly. And I think a lot of it is to do with, with mindset i completely agree and i think one of the things that happens is that people come to the middle east thinking that they're going to find a job straight away they're going to create a business that's going to make millions straight away and i think that's equally a misconception as well because the quality of the talent and the, the opportunity here is is so high that it's still a super competitive market and you've just got to understand that it's this it's a different way of doing business but it's equally as competitive in this way of doing things and some of the things i wanted to touch on that i think you know, you're way more um, insight than I do is that it's surprising the differences that you have here in terms of doing business or, you know, having a job. So for, for example, two things in the last year that have opened my eyes up is that timekeeping is very different here. So in, in where I'm, what I'm used to in, in England is 
if, if, there's, if a meeting's scheduled for a certain time, you turn up early, you, you get there on time. Whereas here, it's not, time is more fluid. It's not rude to be five minutes later to show you're busy and you've made the effort to get there. And the other thing is, business is done by shaking hands, being in person. You don't get much business from talking online. You know, there, there must be loads of things that you come across and, and to that point, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, this is, I know people always say this to me, yes, relationships are key to every to everything, you know. And I said, but, but to me, relationships are even more key in the Middle East because people really, really let you in, you know. They, they make you almost part of their family. And it's not uncommon that you get invited to people's houses and then you suddenly, and if you have that trust bonus, you never really want to lose that because that's basically your ticket to meet a lot more people because you go to their houses and you meet their cousin, their brother, their friends, you know, and you suddenly have a whole new audience that you never had before. And you already come with that sort of seal of approval from your friend or client or whoever it may be. And, and this is just really, I think, you know, they want to get to know you. They want to know what are you about? What are your values? Do the values align? And this is, it's not something that you can form over social media or over, over virtual. I mean, of course, I think social media and virtual are really good tools on staying in touch. And there's lots of different things that you can do to stay top of mind of clients. But if you are a good person and you've helped somebody before, or, you know, then people will not forget that. I mean, I, you know, I have people calling me that I haven't spoken to in like five years. And they're like, oh, you know, we just got busy, but now we're back. And you literally pick up where you left off and this is the beauty of it i think and and this is not the same in europe it really isn't so it's interesting that you say that actually because um i remember speaking to joe uh Sejan, who i think actually you put me in touch with right yes and yes. He, was, he was talking about the difference between um, relationships in the uae his experience in the u.s comparing them and then even as well and he said he's french for, for those who are listening and he he was saying that in the UAE, maybe you don't you don't get welcomed in straight away. But once you've built that trust, it's there. And it doesn't take too long as long as you're a trustworthy person. Whereas in the US, you might be welcomed to a barbecue straight away, right? You're, you're immediately in there in a circle and you can get all the way into the, the core of the, the family very quickly. And then you look at Europe and maybe it's more like the Middle East where it takes longer to build up that trust. But then maybe you'll never be in that circle people don't welcome them straight to the core of their family maybe maybe ever whereas in the middle east you do once you've got that trust you like you say they'll phone you and be like can i have some help i've spoken to you for a year but i need some help here so i completely completely agree with you there and i guess what i wanted to ask you really is this is not your specialism right this is what you do what are some of the pitfalls of not getting this right when you first come into the uae UA, whether you're going to be employed or start your own business what are some of the pitfalls that people can can, can fall into it's, you know, I think sometimes it's very easy to like offend people with, um, without maybe you wanting to offend, like, like maybe you assume, okay, you're a specialist in, I don't know, let's say PR, but you haven't done your homework on the project that maybe you're pitching for. And people will see through that. That's exactly like you said, it, it's not like you go there and make tons of money. There's also work to be done. And one of the work that is to be done, I think is to know about the culture, to know about what is important to the country what is important to the people downright to sort of like small nuances that if for example as a man you have a client and 
you know, it's very common in Europe, for example, to say, you know, how's your wife? But in the Middle East, you don't say that, especially not as a man. You say, how's your family? Because if you ask after the wife, there could be another undertone to this, which is just not appreciated in that culture. And sometimes it's, it's these sort of small nuances that people really need to know and appreciate because otherwise it can go wrong very quickly. Mm. Yeah, it's another one. This, this might be wrong, but I have heard this in the last year is that you shouldn't cross your, as a, as a man, cross your legs and show the sole of your shoe, right? That's, that's deemed offensive. Yes, yes, very true. And you shouldn't eat like with your left hand. And like, there's so many of those, those things um, that, that like, if you have never taken the time to learn about this, you can very easily go into this trap. It's the same, like, you know, like you go to somebody's house and you say, oh my God, this is a really, I don't know, beautiful sculpture. The host will be really inclined to give you this as a present because you complimented them. And then you're going to end up walking out with the sculpture that you never intended to have, you know? So, so yeah, exactly. So it's small details like that um, that make all the difference. I can, yeah, I completely agree. And, and one of the things that we've sort of tried to do is in the same way as you learn the laws. So before we came here, we wanted to learn the laws because it's important not to get stuck with big fines and whatever. And I think we tried to just learn those, those sort of um, etiquettes at the same time. So when you look at the law, for example, it's roughly, it's like 600 euro fine if you drop chewing on the floor or 200 euro if you speed by, by like one mile an hour. So it's the same thing, isn't it? If you, you don't want to lose money for, for silly things like funds, but you also don't want to lose money by not knowing how to be respectful with someone when you're trying to do business. And this is specifically to the Middle East right now. I've been by experiences only in the UAE, but this is the same when you go to any country, right? If you go to China or Japan and someone gives you a business card, you take it with two hands. It's like respectful. It's, and also you go to Switzerland and you do 10 minutes of small talk before you talk about business. That's how things work and I think you know you know more than this than I do but it's those things that make a big difference right when you're trying to strike up relationships 100 percent. it's it's so important to take an interest and get yourself ready also like from your mental perspective before you go somewhere and that I think is is even more important in the Middle East and you know like I said before people have studied in the US people have studied in Europe they can see through that they don't need you to tell to tell them what's hot and you're like, you know, you have all the answers. It, it's, I think it's a very collaborative approach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how do you think people can achieve more in Middle East? What's a strategy that someone could just could start to implement if they're thinking about moving in six months or a year? I think, you know, what I would say is do your homework on the country, do your homework about, um, and I think a lot of the Middle Eastern countries are very good at, they all have different visions. I think, I mean, UAE, for example, even has Vision 2071 that they've launched, you know, so find out what this is about. So you have already like a talking point, do some basic etiquettes and um and just you know keep asking questions and keep an open mind i think that's the most important thing to to keep an open mind and, and not go in there with some preconceived ideas be prepared to change because sometimes things need to change or we all know that as well in the middle east the traffic can sometimes be a lot heavier than it is maybe in europe so allow for a little bit of extra time and so i think there's there's loads of different things but i would definitely say do your homework and and start you know educating yourself i think that's a very modest answer because i would have just said follow karina on uh, on linkedin or or, the, or your newsletter <laughs> so if anyone's listening 
got an amazing newsletter and uh, a LinkedIn page where it literally gives you updates on what's going on in the Middle East and tips on what you can do. And actually, we were put together because we both have features in um, a Yellow magazine, which is one of Abu Dhabi's largest magazines, right? And, you know, in that magazine, it's run by a British lady who's actually been in the UAE for 30 or 40 years. And there is so much information in that kind of magazine that's in print, but also digital. And like what you say there, there's so many people that have information about the Middle East. You can learn so much before you take that plunge and just think, I've got a job. I'm from the US. I'm going to do better there than than anyone else. Well, that's that's a stereotype, you know, UK, anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the world. Some people think they're going to do better. And I think it's completely right. There's so much information you can take in, isn't there, before you do anything. So my question to you is, what are the comparisons that you can draw between business or jobs in the in Germany, the UK, and then the UAE or the Middle East in general? What are those comparisons that people who are listening can make and go, oh, okay, that is familiar and it's not so much of a jump? I think, um, you know, it, essentially, I think hard work always always pays off. And, um, and I feel like UE, for example, is very entrepreneurial. I think if you, you know, they also encourage entrepreneurial, um, that the whole kind of entrepreneurial spirit. And I think it's actually really nice because once you're there, you also feel that people have a mentality that they want to do business and they want to, you know, make um, a change for the country. And they also want to show more people their country. I don't know if that's necessarily always the same in the UK or, or, or Germany. I think um, there is differences. But I think in terms of the job market, I think if you, for example, in hospitality, if you're a great let's say i don't know somebody who works in hospitality and you're great in europe you're going to be amazing in the middle east because again you know you bring all this expertise and and this knowledge to um to like a new place and you can maybe help some more people train that um knowledge and i think that for me is also something that i think the middle east is very appreciative and um and and they very happy about to have people from Europe to bring more expertise and train and uh, train their younger generation. I think that's a really beautiful thing to, to do, you know, because you feel you as a person also have a purpose. So it's not just about a job. It's more like, you know, you can actually make a change and do something good for others. You know, you're an expert in UAE. I keep referring to the UAE because that's my experience, but you, you know, Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi, you know, Oman. How have you built up your knowledge of these areas? I know you mentioned that you've been doing business and coming across here for a long time, but how have you built up, you know, around the peripherals of, of all these different countries in, in this area, in this region? Well, first of all, I had a lot of, because um, my background is hospitality, I had, had a lot of clients from there and all kind of different groups of lives from people that were head of states down to business people to normal families. And um, and then I also started um, as part of my job at the time I started traveling to these countries and I saw and I saw how that was so different. And I remember, I mean, this is a long time ago now when I first went to Riyadh, I was really apprehensive. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going to expect me. Like, how should I, you know, like, do I need to get changed? And then you kind of like learned by doing and then I also started to see the nuances and the more people I knew, the more questions I asked and I would ask them, oh, explain to me this or, or they would then say, oh, you know, this is so different 
with us in Qatar, for example, than what they are doing in Saudi. And then I started seeing, okay, this, these are all these nuances. And then I think if you think a few years back, um, there was obviously this whole Qatar crisis where the whole Middle East was very um, split and that made it even more apparent where people were, were really interested then in certain ownerships of places and things. And if you didn't have these nuances at the time, you know, then you could have very easily lost a piece of business because at the time, if you would have gone into, for for example, Qatar to pitch for a project and you would have said, oh, I had great clients in the UAE not knowing about the blockade. Um, awkward, you know, <laughs> and uh, so it's all of those kind of things because, of course, the news from that region don't travel as much to the West. So you have to try and stay abreast. But again, you know, that's something that, that we do and, and um, you were so kind already to mention my LinkedIn and we like we share a lot of information on LinkedIn about like what all the all the projects and and uh, and we always always get told oh you talk too much about Saudi but this is because there's so much going on but but then there's also we forget there's also lots of other things in other countries and for example coming back to the UAE you know people only know Dubai and Abu Dhabi but then there's all these other places you know there's Sharjah there's Fujairah and there's really like very diverse um, mix of things to see and they all have their individual charm and there's and, and they're not far from each other. So so it's like, you know, I think maybe sometimes we need to look a little bit outside of that bubble and be open for um, for other things. I completely agree with that with the last bit you said there, because the amount of times people have said to us that they'd love to visit us in the country of Dubai. And they don't realise that Dubai is not a country. It's it's an emirate. It's a, basically a city within you know, seven emirates of, of the UAE. But what do you feel are the differences between the different countries in the Middle East? Obviously, they are different countries. They are really different. In your opinion, what are the what are the obvious ones between some of the countries that you can you can sort of advise on? I mean, I think UAE is the one that everybody knows about most because you know Dubai is they did a really great job at marketing Dubai and so did Abu Dhabi. Um, so I think a lot of people may have heard about this, but then for example, Saudi is undergoing a massive shift because they never used to have tourism. They now want to push tourism. They have so many amazing locations, but then again, so does Oman. Um, Oman has so many more locations and mountains and it's not just all desert. This is the same with Saudi and, and people just don't, they have never heard about that. They're like, what do you mean? And and now, like, for example, in Saudi, they, you know, they're building this um, as part of Neon, this resort called Georgina, where they're going to have skiing. And, and they're like, what do you mean? They like, it must be fake snow. I'm like, no, no, but in the mountain, it actually does snow. So, so it's those kind of misconceptions. And, you know, um, it's really interesting because as much as they're all very similar, they're also also different. Then you go example to Qatar and again people are very different to um to people in in Saudi and obviously Saudi is also um you know the holy place for Islam and everything so again there have to be different um you know there have to be different rules for, for certain things so for example that you can't you know you can't go into Mecca if you are not a Muslim so those are kind of things okay you know that people should just need to respect and then you have places like for example kuwait where i feel in 
sort of like I think the last years they're starting to build it up again. But I think for many, many years, you know, and, and we shouldn't forget that Kuwait is a very rich country. The infrastructure was not the same as it in the UAE, because, of course, um, what people should also not forget is that they had these Gulf Wars. And I think a lot of people were really scarred by this. And and then they invested a lot more money outside whilst everybody else was investing in their country. So I think there's all these like different little things that you have to know from history and from people, what people tell you. It's it's so interesting and I find it so fascinating. And, you know, I by no means know it all, not at all. I keep continuing to learn and people tell me more and I'm like, please tell me more. So and I think that's that's the way we should all be. Well, one of the things interesting, and I think the reason that you it's so interesting to talk to you is that rightly or wrongly, you know, countries or groups of countries become these bubbles, right? So in the UK, it's, which is my experience, I can call on, the news is, is usually about what's going on in the UK and in Europe. That's what you're fed all the time, even if there's stuff going on in other, other places. You might get a snippet of that, but it will come back to this has happened in Europe. In the same way we are now, the news is all about what's going on in the MENA region, you know, it's, it's, it's a bubble. And what you're doing is bridging the, the information between two bubbles, which is why it's so interesting to hear you talk about things, because only certain things seep through. So the Qatar World Cup springs to mind. Everyone suddenly, they know about Qatar, they think they know about Qatar because of the World Cup, but they don't know about the culture, they just know that, you know, Ronaldo was, no, Ronaldo wasn't there. Messi was there for a bit, and you know, you know that kind of thing. Um, I think that's really interesting. And one of the things I want to touch on those personal connections. So why do personal connections influence business so much in the Middle East? Because I think, you know, people work with people and, um, and, and they want to feel that, like, again, I think it goes back to building relationships. I think people want to get to know you. They want to know what you're about. And maybe some people may find that very intrusive because maybe they don't want to tell their business partner about their family or whatever. But this is just, I think, the way it is in the Middle East because family is so important. And I think one of the things that I actually find so beautiful about the Middle East is, you know, the way they look after their elderly. You know, they don't just ship them off to, like, a like a senior citizen home, like, but they stay in the family, they look after them, they go to them for counsel and for advice. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. And that's why I think family is so much um, of a big topic. And that's why I think they also want to get to know their business partner to see, you know, do their values align with mine. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to have the same structure or the same amount of kids or anything. No, I think they just want to feel what is the energy and is, does this align with me? And this is so important, I think. Uh, yeah, it but, reminds me. No, go on. Sorry, sorry, there was just something else that I uh, came to mind because some people from the Gulf, they actually said to me, you know, like a lot of people in Europe, they just like, they want to do business and then you hear never from them again. But we want to just keep talking to people. I mean, for example, I have a client from the UAE. I have to call him every week if I don't call him. We talk about nothing. We talk about what's the weather like in Abu Dhabi? What's the weather like in London? How's the family? Yeah, the family is good. Okay, the call lasts maybe like five minutes. That's it. But if I don't call, he's like, my God, where have you been? You know, so like, like you get really pulled up on this. And so I'm like, no, I need to make a conscious effort to reach out and, and talk to them. And I actually enjoy it because he tell me something, I don't know, whatever is new or something. And you always learn something. So it's, it's, it's a great thing, but it's very important. Totally. I mean, 
we do some work with, with we, we do some work with uh, some people down in Brasso Cayma, and I'll drive down there. So uh, one of the Emirates is about an hour and a half from Dubai along the coast. It's a very nice drive because the same size in roads are like eight lanes, and you just drive for an hour and a half in a straight line through the desert. It's beautiful. And, you know, sometimes I'll get there and, and the guy's half an hour late and his excuse is, I had to go and see my mother. My mother needed me. And it's one of those things where like, you have to completely respect that because that's so high. They, they, he's so thankful that we've come down there or if he comes here. But family comes first and that connection comes first. But he's so thankful that we've made the effort to go there. He doesn't want to speak online, you know. He wants to, he wants to actually come and talk. And it's, I think it's really quite actually a, a really nice thing to be a part of. You know, in the UK, it's just, or I keep referring to the UK, in Europe and a lot of the parts of the world, it's just, let's jump on a call or could this be an email or could this be a voice note on WhatsApp? And yes, that's more efficient. And I'm sure that, you know, these areas will, will catch up over time and they'll, they'll change their values potentially for business efficiency. But I just really appreciate how it is right now. Like, like you say, it's so connection driven. It's brilliant. And so what, what do you think people should avoid doing when they come to this sort of region? What are the, what are the main things that you can say to them? Avoid doing this, avoid doing that. Not in terms of, it's mainly etiquette I'm talking about, I guess. I think it's, you know, bring some patience because we know that timekeeping can be a lot more fluid, but not, but not only that, I think also sometimes meetings can change and things are very fluid throughout the day. So it's not like, you know, and, and this is for me being German who normally likes their tight schedule and, you know, I have a meeting at 10, I have a meeting at 11, but that doesn't work in the Middle East. You need to leave a bit more room in between because sometimes you sit in a really good meeting and the person will say, oh my God, I have that perfect introduction. Let me take you to my cousin, but we need to go now. And then what are you going to do if you have, you know, if you have everything rigidly stacked up afterwards? So it's very important, I think, to be flexible. And I think just be open and, and be open to seeing a different way. That doesn't mean you have to be like that. I think you just need to see, okay, maybe sometimes there's different ways of, of doing things. Um, and I think that to me is, is the key to any, to any successful, I think, business relationship to, you know, to, to be open to new ideas and treat people like you would want to be treated. And of course, do your homework. Totally. One of the sayings that I've heard more here than ever anywhere else is better late than never. So if I've got a call with someone, I, you know, in the UK, after five, 10 minutes, I would probably jump off. Often you miss that call. Here I'll wait half an hour because they will turn up probably and they'll say, Oh, better late than never. I was 25 minutes late. Sorry, but you know, and I guess we keep going back to that time thing, but I completely agree that patience is an absolute virtue here and it will definitely pay off. So if someone's thinking about coming to the Middle East or, or just doing business in the Middle East, what's the best way that they can integrate themselves, or not necessarily the Middle East, just into a new country? What's the best way that you think they can integrate themselves into this sort of new cultural setting? I mean, I would, I would say, you know, um, when you get there and you get a chance to be with the locals, use that chance, go to dinner with them, meet like in the Middle East, meet their family, because you learn so much more from that one meeting than anybody else can ever teach you. And like your horizon will expand so much more and you will see so many more new things. And it's just going to be brilliant, I think. And again, you know, try different food, try different coffees and, you know, like, um, uh, the Arabic coffee is obviously very different to like your normal coffee, but it's a very essential part and you have to, you have to try it, I think. So I would say, you know, that's, that's the beauty. Immerse yourself in a new culture and you can never go wrong. 
I really I like it. I think it's really good. I think one of the last things I want to talk to you about, because I keep asking you for your advice, and this is obviously what you're best known for, but what is the what is that that final piece of advice or that that best advice you could give someone who's just considering? They haven't put anything in place. Maybe they haven't even got a business or a, a job yet, but they're just thinking about it and they're a bit nervous about that move or even coming in for a holiday to sort of to start scouting the region out. What's that piece of advice you give them to just when they're starting to consider something? I think, you know, just go and look. And if you don't know anybody, for example, LinkedIn is a great tool. I mean, the Middle East is very active on LinkedIn. So even if you just want to scout for jobs or things or you want to find out what some of these projects are about, LinkedIn is fantastic for this. And I think, again, like there's so many people on there that you could ask questions or you could you know, somebody like like me, for example, or Didi who works with me, we post so many different things and we post a lot of stuff about our experiences. So people could just watch and see how they feel about it. And, um, you know, and then I would say just do it. But again, I think it's, it's all down to mindset, isn't it? And it's all about if you in that kind of mindset, sometimes you just have to overcome this fear and just do it and maybe yes go on a holiday first to see what you feel because you know i mean a you get a holiday and b you can you know do a bit of research on the ground i completely agree i think one of the things that is really worth doing is sort of preparing yourself for that culture shock the thing was going anywhere though but a culture shock is something you know can set you back a bit so for example for us coming from the uk to here Things like even just the car on the other side of the road, the number plates aren't recognisable. Obviously, the heat is is completely different. The, the sort of lifestyle is different. And I think, yeah, like you say, and also just preparing yourself for it's going to be different. But that's the thing that's going to any country. It's going to look different and not be familiar. And it creates that, that, that decline in your stress, which is what you need to sort of start ramping your business up or starting to enjoy your lifestyle. I think I completely agree with you. I want to ask you something, a couple of questions that I ask every single guest. And the first one is for a book recommendation. Okay. So there is a really great book that I've read. Actually, maybe if you have some American listeners, they may know her. There's a lady called Jamie Cran-Nima, and she's the founder of It Cosmetics. And she has written a book called, I think it's called Believe It. And basically, it tells the story how she went from waitress to selling her cosmetic business to L'Oreal, I think probably about two years ago, for $1.2 billion. But it wow. also, but but not only that, um, but it also tells a lot about how many rejections she had, why people rejected her, and how she kept going. So it's a really brilliant book for Mindset. So I highly recommend. She's brilliant. Wow, so the art resilience. That's awesome. Entrepreneur resilience. I love that. What about, uh, Karina, if you had a full free day, you spend it? A full free day? I mean, you know, get me, any, get me anywhere to go swimming. I mean, I'll probably hang out with my family. I'll probably still do a little bit of work. I'd still, you know, message with some clients. So um, this is kind of my ideal day, you know, and like even in, I'm actually a massive fan of swimming and as you can imagine in the uk it's not as you know it's not as hot all the time but i've taken up cold water swimming in the winter as well and it's brilliant so i highly recommend wow wow are you following the method sorry are you following the wim hof method have you heard of wim hof the, the ice guy i mean i love 
Wim Hof, but I don't necessarily follow all his methods down to the detail, but he kind of got me into this whole thing and it kind of more or less just started as a challenge to see how far I became obsessed with the temperatures, like to see how far, like how much, until when would I manage? And I actually managed and now I just swim throughout the winter and it's brilliant. Well, I guess that's actually quite a good example here of what would be different. We don't really get cold water. Like the pools are cool, but the sea's never going to get cold. Even the, the shower doesn't really get cold. But you obviously can go to the ice baths so if that's something you're really into. That's a great one. It's really, really good for you to do that. That cold therapy, isn't it? That's awesome. <laughs> What's the best way place for them to find you on uh, online? So um, my website is www.star, like the star hyphen cat cat.co.uk and then obviously you can find me as Corina Gretz on um, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere basically. Perfect. We'll put them on the description of the podcast as well. It's been an absolute pleasure having you given your expertise. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was real fun talking to you today. Thank you.